Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Uh, hey, Mimi. Oh, hey, Gigi. When you're driving around, just seeing the town. Sitting bored at home, feeling all alone. Fill up the glass, pick out a gloss. We got the tea, we got the sauce. Get queerified. Okay. Yeah. Let's get queerified. Hey, Mimi. Hey, Gigi. Are you guys ready to get queerified? I am so excited for today's episode. But first, let me introduce myself. I am... Gigi Gorgeous. I am a YouTuber. I'm a model, an author, philanthropist, actress, model, just a woman of many, many hats and traits. Mm-hmm. And I am Mimi. We've been best friends for, let's just say, 20 years now. We're going to round up. We're going to round up. It's yes. 20 years. So on Queerified, you guys know we have special guests within the LGBTQIA community and some allies as well. And as always, we will share everything, like what it was like growing up queer, the highs and lows and of life, and how to celebrate queer joy every day. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Courtney Act. Yes! She is Australia's first drag superstar, mm-hmm. and she is so influential in Australia, ba- making so many TV show appearances and talking about issues in our community. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. She is a global superstar, longtime friend, and now friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Courtney Act special. We are so oh. excited to have you. Thank you for <laughs> Hi, having Courtney. me. How are you? What's up? You are in a forest right now, it looks like. I'm in a forest. I am now a mountain gay. I got back to the US and uh, and my friends have moved up to Nevada City, which is like, it's not in Nevada. It's in California and it's I, it's been described as like a queer mountain town or a becoming queer mountain town. And so, yeah, I'm literally in the middle of the forest, like kind of Tahoe kind of area. It's very, very that vibe. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it looks gorgeous. It's gorgeous. My friends who have this place and some other friends who have another place, they're burners, as in people who go to Burning, Burning Man. Man. And, and oh, they... I was like, what is that? Like, I thought it was like a drug thing. I was like, oh, casual. Okay, <laughs> like, we're. Okay, that's, that's how we're starting. The lifestyle. And so, like, I'm currently in the barn, which is being converted into, like, a performance space. Wow. But just on their property. So, they're building, like, a burlesque performance room, like, on their property just to have, like, really cool parties because they're really cool people and i'm like that works that's fine are you like in a commune is it a little bit culty it's a bit like communy yeah i've I've always wanted (laughs) i've always been i've always wanted to be a cult leader and i dress monochromatically a lot which i think is an important prerequisite out of drag out of drag yeah in drag i wear all the colors colors right yeah so speaking of drag so we like to think of queerified as like the ultimate safe space Mm -hmm. right what are your pronouns? Have you reached a new height of identity or enlightenment um, recently? Let everyone know your tea. So it's interesting, you know, because I, for like most of my life, and my I started drag when I was 18 in the year 2000. And 
back then it was very much like he and she and never the Definitely. twain shall meet. I was like, there's nothing funny going on here. I just wear these women's clothes because it's a job and I'm an entertainer. And then secretly deep down, I thought that that might not be the truth, but was never able to like really understand that. I never had the language to understand that. And over the years with more, interestingly, the increase in trans visibility was something that really helped liberate me uh, with my identity. And um, it was back in 2013, after the filming of Drag Race, I became good friends with Chaz Bono. And Chaz and I hung out a lot and we would talk about, well, all sorts of things. He, he played me lots of like classic American cinema, The Godfather and Sophie's Choice. And amongst all of that, uh, that sort of like film watching, we would often like talk about gender and identity and I remember one day Chaz said to me he asked me why I did drag and I was like oh it's a job I just I just put on women's clothes and I, it's it, I dance around and sing around and it's a job and he was like oh okay he said it's just interesting that you've chosen this like hyper femme form of drag to present yourself Look, right I mean mm. you are you are the epitome of femininity essentially yeah. and he was like have you ever heard the term gender fluid and I was like no, what's that mean? And like almost got <laughs> defensive. Totally. That he was somehow like going to question my gender. Question and, your manhood. Of, yeah, yeah. Like how absurd. <laughs> but because Chaz and I were such good friends and because I trusted him and knew it was a safe space, like like you just set up, he, um, he was like, well, it's just this idea that it's okay for boys to be feminine and it's okay for girls to be masculine and it's okay for you to be anything you want on a gender spectrum and explained all that to me and I remember like I remember the conversation I remember where I was I remember like I was pacing on the phone in a friend's apartment in New York City and I remember like stopping in my tracks and I it just had honestly never occurred to me that despite being a feminine boy that it was okay for boys to be feminine and I ever since that day this term gender fluid the idea that the the binary of gender of man and woman wasn't something that I had to try and fit into is not a binary yeah it's not a binary like that's the kicker like it's not real <laughs> and once I heard that the term gender fluid for the longest time was just like so liberating because although I pretty much presented binary growing up I was like I never felt like a man but then the other flip side was the only other option was being a woman and as much as I enjoyed being a girl I never felt like I was a woman but also I never felt like I was a man that is so like that's how that's exactly how I felt like yeah. just exactly you said never felt like either or just like felt like myself and somehow there wasn't a word for that. The gender fluid term really liberated me of that. And then the interesting thing is I got to a point where I was just like, oh, I actually just feel like me. And I don't, I know how important every label that I've ever had. And I've had most of them. It's it's that it's that part. It is. It It's that aha moment. A lot of people within the community I myself have had. It's like, oh my God, bitch, this is my, this can be my reality. And that's the... I'm so happy you shared that because a lot of people just even need to hear that other people have had aha moments and it like turns 
it can be theirs instantly. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it makes it so powerful. And for me, it was it was Amanda Lepore, New York City. It was like, oh, my God, I could be trans <laughs> too, bitch. Hello. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was just yeah. the be all end all. But. I'm happy that you guys are relating on a level mm-hmm. such as non-binary. It's yeah. powerful. That's, it's exactly how I felt. I think as well, like all of the labels were so important in different parts of my journey because like I had to like go through, and I mean like Gigi, I've, I've seen like, you know, a lot of your coming out videos where there's like different points in your life where you're like, oh, this is me now. And then you're like, oh, this is me now. And this is me now. And like those layers were all true at the time and then keep getting revealed even further. And I feel like those labels are like street signs and you're like, oh, oh, oh this street totally. feels most correct. Yes. And then you get to the, but then you get to the street and, and I think most people think the street is where you live, but what you actually have to do is when you get to the street, you're like, which one's my house? Oh, this one's my house. And like, what color do I want to paint it? And like, what curtains do I want? How do I want to decorate it? And that's kind of like when you really find who you are because the label only gets you so far and then the rest is like you working it out how you fit into that. I'm obsessed with that analogy and like visual representation. I've never heard that before and it like it rings so true. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. In regards to the trans community, passing is often a term that is mistakenly used as a positive for the success of your transition. I've felt this. I've I've put pressure on myself to pass. I've put pressure in uncomfortable situations. You know, I remember times where I've been on vacation or in in Vegas or something, and I've just been like, oh, so like, you know, if they don't know, then like I'm succeeding. But I think the more I, I've personally grown up, I've seen that that is untrue. And also I feel like the world is now kind of seeing that's untrue. So for you, being one of the most successful drag queens who are able to pass as a cis woman, right? <laughs> How does that make you feel like from the start and currently? It's so fascinating because I remember in the beginning, in the beginning I was less good at just the simple things of hair and makeup, but I always I always had this sense, especially like in 2003 I was on Australian Idol and that was like the first season. It was the biggest TV show in the country and there I was. I went along the first day as a boy got knocked back, went back the next day in drag, made it through and was celebrated on Australian TV with full acknowledgement that I was like a boy dressed as a girl, essentially in that paradigm. And I always 
remember feeling how subversive it was and how I always felt that I always thought that I was like deconstructing the unrealistic beauty standard of femininity by being a boy who was passing as a woman on television, even though everyone knew that I wasn't. But then in some weird way, as it's gone along, I feel like rather than subverting that beauty standard, somehow I enforce it. it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, oh. And I think talking about and acknowledging um, that trans beauty standards and that non-binary beauty standards and cis beauty standards are all different things and that the, I mean, just recently I was talking um, on the podcast that I do, Brenda Call Me, I was saying that I had had this moment where I didn't feel comfortable, not comfortable, mm. I didn't feel uncomfortable, I just didn't feel like wearing boobs anymore right. when I was in drag. Okay. And I always, because it was always the, the world I grew up in, it was like, you know, your boobs, your waist, your hips, and all of these yes. things. Traditional. That we see, yeah, and we really see reinforced on shows like Drag Race, where there's like a real like, girl, them shoulders don't match those hips, yeah. and things like that, which is all about passing, and it's all about that sort of illusion. And then I just, I was really inspired by girls like Aquaria, who will just not wear boobs, and... It, her drag is different to my drag, but I was like, I don't actually, and I've just stopped wearing, I, if my outfits don't already have boobs built in, I didn't put boobs in them because I felt like I was, for me, I wasn't pretending to be a woman or trying to be a woman. I was just being myself and myself happened to be someone who loved hair and makeup and dresses and femininity. And then the but the boobs in my sort of, gender expression felt like that was um that was me like uh impersonating a woman and i as much as i might look like a woman i'm actually just trying to look like me right and sometimes it even feels less feminine Mm -hmm. you know like i i never wore boobs or bras or anything before i got my boobs done i feel like if i were to do that it would have been like oh my god i'm like trying way too hard i could just be this flat-chested bitch like it's fine yeah. And I feel like even like Tace from, U- is it UK's Drag Race? Yes. UK Drag Race, I yeah. I die for her. And there's never a breastplate on her. I'm like, that is like Naomi Campbell. I like, uh, am obsessed with her look. So I feel like sometimes it can even do you a disservice if your goal is femininity. But like, just for you, it's just like, I mean, you are just like the most gorgeous. Like, I remember this one time we were in LA And we were driving, just you and I in an Uber. I think we were like meeting friends or something. And we were talking about hooking up with straight guys. Like that was the, do you remember this? (laughs) Uh, Keep going. We were on, okay. I Literally, it just came to me. I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to Courtney today. I remember driving down Sunset. We're in the back of a black SUV. And I think we were going to like Bootsy Bellows or something to meet my friend Uh Marcus. uh uh Yep, yep, yep. We weren't going to a gay club. I remember we were going to like Bootsy or like like we were going to like Roku or like And Courtney was in drag. Courtney was in drag, yep. And I don't know how it started. I I mean, just naturally it started. I feel like we just started talking about (laughs) it. And I was like, this is so fascinating because it often is a conversation of, you know, trans girls tricking straight guys that's how Mm -hmm. they look at it Mm -hmm. into hooking up with them and i feel like it's so disgusting and sad and it's such a a lonely 
you know, existence. Like I, I've been there. I've, I've lived that. And it's not a good feeling when you go home, you know, it's not a good feeling when you wake up in the morning being like, you know, I successfully tricked someone or that's at least how you, how you, you make yourself out to feel. But you had some experience with that as well. And I feel like there's really like, I've not really talked to many drag queens that have successfully like turned straight guys or had many experiences. And I was like listening to you like, wow, this is a first for me. Like, (laughs) how does that make you feel like? And I guess, I mean, Mark, do you have anything to say? Uh, We've all kind of been there, like even gay people, right? Right. Um, Yes. I don't know what that comes from. Maybe I, I think we've had this conversation before. Maybe it comes from sadness where you're just like, I don't know, going for straight guys. Maybe there's some... Um, right, it's like inter- hotter. There's like the stakes are higher or like or internalized homophobia where like, I don't like gay people. I don't like straight guys. Like you hear that. Maybe not so much now, but there was definitely like maybe five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting because in... I have this one... I've, I've literally just on the thursday handed over the manuscript for my memoir oh hello what is it called i started writing it on the first day of lockdown in 2020 17th of february uh 17th of march and i just handed over like the the manuscript and then they're gonna hand me back like the uncorrected proof for the for the like actually i'll I'll send you a coffee, and if you like it, I'll get a little uh, <laughs> Gigi Gorgeous endorses this book moment. Yes, yes. I mean, let me write the foreword. I'm just kidding. I'm sure you are. Yes. <laughs> no, and it was, it was, there was this one memory that I write about in the book where we had been at Rasputin in LA, and I was in this, like, gorgeous pink dress that Marco Marco made it had a big daisy on it and my hair was all cute and I was looking like f- very high femme but also like a little like dramatic because I was hosting Rasputin and I was waiting in my line waiting in the line for my car and this um, guy joined the line next to me and he was like this big handsome marine and we started talking and just like hit it off instantly and it was like chilly and I was like like just a bit like this and he didn't have a jacket and so he's like oh here let me keep you warm and we were chatting away and it was just so authentic and so genuine and like just such a human connection and like this guy was obviously straight and he'd been like out with his little brother um, and, and you think you were off. passing at that moment? Yeah, he he was just like assuming that he was talking to a cis girl, and I didn't think twice about the situation. I I was just being me, and then we swapped numbers, and I got into my car, and I was going to text him my address, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I don't think that... I didn't disclose the tea. I didn't disclose. (laughs) Right. And there's that whole... And it's it's so fascinating because I didn't think I had anything to disclose because I was being... I was being more authentically me than if I was flirting with a guy dressed as a guy. Like, if I was at the Abbey flirting with a boy dressed as a boy, I would have been putting on more more of a performance of, like peacocking masculinity Definitely. than I was yeah, it was standing just in line with this guy. innocent love connection. Yeah. And so, like, having to then 
think about this idea of like disclosure where you have to tell the person that even though you are being authentically you, that perhaps whatever he was interpreting may not be what he's used to or what. And so like this idea of there was just such a confusing moment because I was like, oh, I have to tell someone that who I actually am is... Did you feel bad in that moment or were you just like, oh, wait? I felt worried that I had deceived him. Right. Which was... it. That's And that's the kicker, I think, because you're like, oh, I was literally not trying to deceive you. I was literally being me. I just forgot about the world that we live in. See, I love that almost like mm-hmm. childlike innocence that that story holds. But there's also must be a part of you where like, you're like, you know... Of course, of course. I mean, like you must of know, course, like what? It, if it's on your mind, like uh-huh. I, I was always hyper aware. I assumed everyone knew. Yeah. I assumed I always had to tell. And if they were acting like they didn't know, or if I didn't get any like whispers or points or anything, especially I was really like into like just straight clubs when I can't met as trans. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't go anywhere gay. Like this is just like my tea. I would be like. I have to tell them, I have to break it to them because yeah, God yeah. forbid something bad happens. So it was totally. always on my mind, like almost like paranoia. So I love that you're just like, oh, I I forgot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, And that's the thing is that I totally also know the, that the, the feeling of always being on your mind and being like, oh, wait, I have to like before there's any physical contact or whatever, just for my own personal safety need to communicate and also i understand because of the world that we live in that there is that level of having to explain to this person who may not even understand and i think that the the unfortunate thing is that it can be people can see that a trans woman or someone who's like trans adjacent or non-binary or someone who's presenting femme is somehow out there to deceive uh, someone who might be attracted to them. And it's like, there's none of this is about trying to trick you or about deception. For me, it was just about like the people that I connected with sexually. And I think one of the things was as, as a boy going out, especially say in somewhere like West Hollywood, the guys there weren't really attracted to like a twinky little boy. But really? then when I'm out, when I'm out as like Courtney, like you beat them off with a stick. Not I was just boys, about to say beat them but... off with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you're like, okay, well, well, there's there's a lot of and there's a lot of sexuality there. There's that, but one thing that I've become increasingly aware of is that my experience isn't walking down the street as a trans woman. And so there's a real difference between me being able to take on and take off my femininity and have sexual experiences where a guy who I meet who wants to have sex with me in drag might... There's, and I, I know what it's like to feel fetishized and dehumanized and objectified by a straight identifying guy who is closeted or repressed about his attraction to either trans women or femme people or non-binary you know femme people and in that situation i i feel i i will like i will only ever hook up with someone like i always i always facetime them first i always video chat Uh like if i'm talking on an app 
and I talk to them. And if they're not going to look me in the eye and if they're not going to, like, have an actual polite conversation. Yeah, then and fuck that. Yeah, if it's all, like... Call the police. <laughs> yeah. And then Where when they come over... Where do you find over, these guys? Um, different, like, there used to be this app called... Like, not at the Rent. gay clubs? Um, I mean, there's definitely, like, the the... You know the straight adjacent men at the gay clubs, like the go-go right, she's dancers, too well known. the she's security too well known. guards. <laughs> <laughs> but like on apps and things, like if I, I've definitely like, I've definitely dated guys who were straight identifying. Who one boy who was like hadn't been with an, uh, anybody other than a cis girl before, and then we just had a connection, and he was, like, attracted to me, and I was attracted to him, and he even, like, told his mom, told his friends. And oh, my God. After we broke up, he was, like, he's now, like, engaged to a girl, and his girlfriend knows that he used to date me, and it was, like, just very healthy. Obsessed. Sounds like the story of my life again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you always want that need to disclose to go away you know mm -hmm. i wish it never was a thing i wish people could just you know accept it for what it is people could just meet people freely and openly but i think it is so important to disclose yeah like you know trans girls who are like stealth or just don't disclose their tea i feel like it is it can be so dangerous god forbid yeah that it's just not worth it but i i wish you know i hope and pray that at the at the end it'll just be like equal and it'll just be fine but it's scary well and you know why because the idea well a disclosing comes obviously with risks it you, and you have to be aware of the situation that you're in um that that's safe for you to do and it's it's a horrible thing that it needs to be done but also there comes a sense of uh ownership and self-acceptance where um acknowledging that who you are however your gender identity sits is so important for you to be able to share with somebody that you're having sex with or a relationship with because if if there's some sort of secret about who you are then yeah you're implying that there's something wrong with who you are and every man who sleeps with you or every person who sleeps with you rather should be sleeping with you for the the totality of who you are, not in spite of some part of your gender. And so, yeah, totally. If they're not going to love you because you're a trans woman or a non-binary person or a trans man or whatever. Then that's for me. That's not a person that I want to sleep with. I want to sleep with someone who like acknowledges my humanity. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't think we ever got your pronouns, did we? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, as this, as this, Shane, he, <laughs> as Courtney, she, her, but like any any pronoun is fine to me, which is interesting because I was just talking on the weekend about how much I admire people who use they them pronouns because mm -hmm. same for the last twenty years I've, I mean, and I've 
extremely privileged and lucky and fortunate. But for me, I love the idea. I love the political idea of they, them pronouns. But I just don't have the energy (laughs) to (laughs) to even, like, lead. Drive around people. I'm just like, he, she, they. And if it doesn't rub you a wrong way, I feel like there's no need to change your pronoun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like if you are really rubbed the wrong way by he or she, it's like, you got to change it. You know, you got to live life for you. It's like, why are you going to be rubbed the wrong way every single day of your life? Yeah. I feel like that is so important. But I do love just even the political aspect of they, them pronouns, because I was, um, I was hosting the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras um, on TV in Australia a few years ago when Sam Smith was one of the guests. And so I was in the boardroom with all of the you know producers and the people having the meetings beforehand. And then another TV show that I was doing that Sam was being interviewed on, again, another like a writer's room where everybody was, you could see all of these like mostly cishet people. And like, sorry, Sam Smith's pronouns are they, them, Are right? they, them, yeah. Yes. And okay. so you could see all of these people fumbling with they, them pronouns, like knowing that Sam Smith is a person who they had to, you know, respect and use correct pronouns and watching all of these straight people be like, they will, they... Oh, my God. Let me kill <laughs> myself now. And and you could see their heads hurting. And I watched it and I was like, yes, this is exactly the function of this because your minds have just been broken and destroyed by the concept that there is more than he and more than she. And you've been forced by this global pop star into thinking outside the binary. And I just thought that was so cool and so punk that that they, them pronouns destroys, you know, the patriarchy in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even on like passports like i got my passport renewed years ago but it um it's so easy now in canada to it's literally like you have to check i think like three boxes what is your passport gender identifier what do you want it to be sign here no psychiatric letter no doctor's note and it's male female and x and i think that's so powerful when i transitioned when i was 19 it was not fucking like that. It was insane to get your name changed, your first name. You know, last name is easier because you're married. First name is like, what are you doing? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> and then the second, the, the the gender, I was like, I won't even bother. And then when that form came out, I was like, Canada is woke. They are yeah. listening. And yeah. this is punk, you know? So we see you a lot on Australian TV. Like, I feel like you're like truly Australians, like princess. (laughs) So I mean, let's just say the most famous drag queen in all of Australia. Hell yes. (laughs) Hell yes. Is that correct? Is there a more famous one? However, uh, there's a television show that is uh, (laughs) currently looking for Australia's first drag superstar. Hello. Uh, Are you going to host? Are you going to be her? No, Drag Race Down Under said that. Oh, gag. They said that, yeah. In the, opening, like, in the opening, yes. RuPaul says, we are looking for Australia's first down under drag oh race superstar. Does and I was like, you? I was yeah, like, why would she, why would guys, she say that? Guys, I'm over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm still here, guys. Still working and driving on TV, actually, all the time. What's up with that? Like, what's the drama oh. between you and drag race? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm... I. <laughs> I'd rather talk about gender. 
<laughs> well, I you're, feel you. back to Australian TV, you're very vocal, educating Australians on issues in our community. What's the what's the reaction like in Australia about, you know, LGBT kind of stuff? Because you're always on these debate shows debating politicians. Yeah. I mean, that's nuts. That was I feel like they gag for you though, right? It's usually positive. They're like, wow, Courtney oh, yeah. like speaking out. Yeah. That's the thing that has always fascinated me is I and maybe I'm just looking in the right places, but I never see negative feedback like whether it was like celebrity big brother in the uk or dancing with the stars in australia like would like mainstream network television it's not it's not even like 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 drag race is on like vh1 like it's on cable this is like the you know the cbs the nbc the abc it's like what the the thing that the masses watch and no one ever says any there's no complaint it's always like oh wow that was that was really lovely. Oh, we see how that works. So oh, that makes sense. Um, everybody's really supportive. And I've just always been so grateful um, to have that opportunity. And, and it's it's probably been since since I won Celebrity Big Brother in the UK, I've really been welcomed into the mainstream in Australia, even in when I get to sit on like news panel shows and discuss politics and stuff like that. And as Courtney and as not a joke, not like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like just as a respected human. And that is so validating. Well, that's you- nice. No negative feedback. God, I wish we could say the same. <laughs> Maybe My I'm just God. looking in the wrong places. You're on a lot of TV shows in Australia and the UK on so many shows. You're so booked and blessed. What's something that you've said that's maybe gotten the biggest reaction? I mean, I think for me, Celebrity Big Brother was the game changer. That was mm. epic because it was... You're in the house. You don't know what's going on. And then I won. And not only did I win. So fucking crazy, by the way. When I saw you enter and the whole skirt skirt mishap where you were just naked, (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, this is such a gag. And then just to find out that you won, I was like, damn, such a fan of Big Brother. Know how intense it is. Mm -hmm. Know tons of people who have done it. And everyone says it's like the hardest thing ever to keep up with it and you making it to the end like bitch that just shows your longevity and persistence and just also like low-key manipulation and like able <laughs> to like work a room around you like it's impressive the thing that it, it the funny thing is that it came down to me and this 70 year old conservative politician who in 20 of course it did 23 <laughs> years of parliament she voted against every single piece of pro lgbt legislation that had ever come before her she was denied climate change against women's reproductive rights she was just and she she was okay so she was uh she was Church of England and she converted to Roman Catholic because the Church of England were like too relaxed with their rules when it came to religion. So she was like hardcore, right, anti everything that I was and that most humans are. And from the very first day, I we had talks. I like had conversations about she was like, well, marriage equality, as you call it. You know, you just you can't just go around changing the definition of marriage. And I was like, Anne, you literally were from the Church of England. The reason the Church of England exists is because Louis, Henry, one of them (laughs) wanted to get a divorce. And that was illegal in 
the church, so he started his own religion and changed the definition of marriage so he could get a divorce. Monogamy used to mean one person for life. Now it means one person at a time. The definition of marriage has changed, and all we are doing here is saying people of the same sex who love each other should also be afforded that. And whilst she, she didn't agree, I just remembered, actually, Calpurnia and I had like a practice lunch in LA before I went to Big Brother. I didn't tell her what it was for. I just told her I was going to be like debating. We thought Jermaine Greer on like some TV show and Calpurnia played like role played Jermaine Greer and I was like me and we had these conversations like where I was trying to, you know, answer questions or criticisms that someone like Jermaine Greer might have for me. Jermaine Greer being one of the most iconic feminists of the second wave of feminism who has made some anti-trans comments and wasn't just wasn't sure how she would take me and what Calpurnia and I sort of realized was I was never going to change that person's opinion but there was a lot of people who are watching on television at home who might hear the story if it was explained in a polite and concise way mm-hmm. exactly hit the nail right on the head that's yeah. what it's all about you have to be non-threatening for the masses to listen to you yeah so I just had conversations. I didn't get angry. I didn't get upset. And I think, again, that's part of my privilege is that, like, I understand when people get angry, when they get misgendered or when they get mistreated or when somebody says something hateful or bigoted. I understand the frustration. But I think part of my privilege is that, like, I, through whether it's, you know, supporting parents in the world that I grew up in, I'm like, I can sit here and I can listen to you say you know, horrible things and explain back to you in a peaceful manner why totally. what you're saying yeah. is hurtful. A hundred percent. We're both the same. Like, mm-hmm. to be honest, it's hard for me to, like, why do you let other people control your emotions is my question all the time. Like, exactly. why do you get upset when someone said, says something so awful and so crazy? They don't matter. You already know that they don't matter. Right. And if you fight anger with anger, it won't win. It, it, it's not going to fix anything. And also, you're not going to win. No, no one's no. going to win. Nothing no, is going to get smile. You just smile and turn around. Exactly. So has your, has your activism always been kind of instilled within you? Or do you think that your success and your, you know, public public Courtney-ism has really pushed you to become more of an activist? I think a lot of people who have like had public sort of moments may have had this experience where for me in the beginning, in the very beginning when I was growing up, I just wanted to be like, I wanted to be a Spice Girl. I just, (laughs) it was, I was in high school. I was, I didn't know where I belonged or how I fitted in. And when the Spice Girls happened in 1994, I was in like high school and I finally felt, I mean, it was the first time that I ever saw anything close to how I felt on the inside represented in pop culture. Literally, (laughs) ditto. And I was like, I get like Jerry and like Mel, like all of them, they're irreverent and like just the fact that every, and I remember at the time, women weren't allowed to act like that and people would shame them for being like strong confident women and I know they're like just the Spice Girls they're like a pop band they're not like on the front line working the UN or changing laws but that they they changed the way society looked at what women were allowed to be and in some weird way 
they liberated me and I realized that that's what I wanted to be. And then as I grew up and as I started doing what I did, I remember getting a letter from a young kid after Australian Idol. It was before the comment section. It was before social media, before the internet, a handwritten letter in the mail. And they said that they didn't know whether they were, all the language at the time was just, I didn't know whether I am gay or straight, but I know that I'm different. And that they had talked about like that they had tried to take their own life and that they're glad that they didn't because then they were watching Australian Idol and they saw me and they thought, you know what, I don't know what I am, but if it's okay for that person to be different, then it's okay for me to be different too. Yes. If you can see it, you can be it. Yeah. And that's the moment that changed it all for me because before that, I kind of just cared about me. (laughs) And then in that moment, I realized that it was so much greater than me and that in some weird way, I could be someone's Spice Girl. Exactly. I think very early on with you and YouTube, you Mm -hmm. realized that like when you would see your messages and it would be like, oh my gosh, my patient has cancer and they like you're the only thing that's making them laugh. Yep. And that made a big yep. switch in Oh my you. God, I remember that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You live, you learn to live louder than you were before just because you know the difference. You know the impact it's making mm-hmm. on people that you've never met. But it's like, I had that impact. So if I could be that for someone else, I know how great that feels. When you had like 200 followers or something. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Literally, it mm-hmm. took one message and I was like, I should probably live louder. Mm-hmm. People sometimes say, which is really interesting, they go, oh, don't you feel like that's a burden? And I was like, literally the only thing I have to be is as authentically me as I can. And there exactly. is not that is not a burden. That is like the greatest gift you can have. Exactly. Even if you, you know... You, you come out as something, you say something that people don't necessarily identify with individually. It's like, wow, that person is living really loud. Yeah. And wow, they can achieve that. So maybe I can too. It's just, if you can Mm. see it, you can be it. I feel like I heard that from like literally like a children's book, but Uh it is so I think it's also a line in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) Is it? Oh my God. I've seen that movie like a hundred times. At the end. You know what this reminds me of when you're like doing your own thing and you see like, a little kid and they're looking at you like they know and you know that you're both queer and then you kind of like you know you're like oh they're looking like let me let me be fierce for them it's like that moment just representing just even for people in real life like i love those moments me too and Gigi, there's so many of your videos that i've watched over the years that i just feel so inspired by and so like the topics and the conversations that you have are so the best part is is that like you start watching this video and and because of like conditioning you're like oh my god i can't believe she's going to talk about this and you talk about it in <laughs> with such no with such honesty and such you're, it's so disarming that i watch it and i'm like why the fuck did i think that there would ever be a reason that she shouldn't talk about this this is absolutely what she I should be that. talking about because you just broke that barrier in my mind and my perception and like i'm like you know on the inside we're pretty much in a bubble ourselves so even yeah. hearing you say that is so like that just made my stomach drop like 
thank you so much. And that's that's what I live for. I really do. And it just comes from a place. I know you can relate with this as well, but it just comes from a place of like what you're going through. You know, yeah. like I feel like this is literally about to spill out of my mouth. So let me literally talk about it. And you're on such a big platform. That's why we talked about the Australian TV thing, how you basically are like Australian's princess. It's like <laughs> you just are able to shed light on so many things mm-hmm. that people are so uncomfortable to talk about. And it's that taking that first step and being like, this isn't awkward. And even if yeah. you think it is, it's not for me because I've been living with it. So let's let's break it down and talk about it. Yeah. And that's powerful. And that's the that's almost the, the kicker. Sometimes that I have to I'm like. Oh, this all seems so like obvious and mundane and like exactly, normal. Exactly, but it's so not. It's so not. People are just having their minds blown across exactly. suburbia. Casual- <laughs> casually, like people yeah. are in their own bubble. We think that it's not weird, but it is fucking weird. <laughs> okay, so we do a segment on the show every single um, episode at the end called our queries. Uh, mm. People call into our hotline at one eight four four queries and we were wondering if you want to stick around for some questions. I'd love to. Okay, awesome. We're going to be right back after the break. Okay, we are back with Courtney Act. We're about to take a listen to your queries. If you want to send in your queries to play on the podcast, you can call us at one eight four four Q U E E R Y. Yes, and absolutely nothing is off limits, so go in, girl. Mm-hmm. Ask us anything you want. <laughs> okay, Courtney, are you ready for the first one? All right. Oh, my God. So I saw this thing trending on TikTok, um, and it's pretty much how you sound um, screaming for your life. So I thought I would give it out a try. Oh, my God, I've heard of this. Hope your speakers are ready. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if that, I know that trend on TikTok. If that's not on TikTok, it needs to be because that's viral, bitch. What did she say? Wait, I am so traumatized. Wait, I don't know why I find screaming so funny. What was the question? Can we hear it again? I'm not kidding. I'm in the mountains. I'm in the mountains right now. And I feel like if I heard that in the mountains, I would be like, it's me next, bitch. Oh my god, she goes off. It's like there's a killer in the room with her. Wait, can we listen to it again? Okay, 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 okay. Oh my god, so I saw this she thing so happy on TikTok, too. Um, and it's pretty much how you sound um, screaming for it's your life. Much. So I thought I would give it out a try. Not a name, guys. not a location. Hope your speakers are ready. <laughs> <laughs> Calling into Queerify. I hope that was. I hope. I hope that was like um, a form of therapy for her. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you just have to yell into a pillow when you just can't take it anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's what this trend is. It's like you know what? It's okay to scream for your life if you feel like you're drowning. Sometimes <laughs> oh just God. let she it needs out. She to audition sis. for like uh, the next Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, oh, if yeah. you hear or like this, M Night Shyamalan or something. Wherever you are, if you hear this, please call us back and tell us more about yourself. We would love to hear it from you again there was no question but Gigi do you want to do those screams 
No, I I am just like laughing. We are in a I feel like my brain is about to explode. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing so hard. Oh my god, that was okay. amazing! Wow, was, my heart's actually beating faster because <laughs> I feel so anxious. It really so anxious. sounded like a scene from a horror movie. Okay, second question. Impressive. Hey, my name is Patricia. I'm turning 24 in a couple of weeks. My question is, what is some of the best advice you've ever received? And what is some advice you can give someone who's navigating to find themselves in their 20s, especially in this pandemic? Ooh, I love that question. Happy birthday, Patricia. Oh, happy birthday. Um, Courtney, do you want to answer this question first? What's the best advice you've been given? Uh, The best advice that I probably got told, never understood, never got, never listened to, and it's only until it made sense. And so even Patricia, as I say this, I get that like this, you might be like, that doesn't make any sense. But the best advice is just relax. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you're worried about, whatever you think isn't going to happen, whatever you like, whether it's like college, whether it's your job, whether it's, you know, who loves you, who doesn't, like whether it's how, how is my life going to end up, just relax and know that if you're just there and turning up and doing it and finding the joy and the focus in what you do, then all of the time you spend worrying, invest that into just enjoying it and just all of that just don't worry it's not Im- mm-hmm. it's impossible it. to do in your 20s basically all your 20 i think all of your 20s are about worrying and feeling like you're not doing the right thing and like trying to find your place in the world and if that's how you feel then i think that's exactly how you're supposed to be in your 20s but my one piece of advice is just try and worry a little bit less about the future because the future is going to happen whether you like it or not and it's just the, the, I don't know, for me, it was the worrying. I was just like, oh, yeah. I wish I just chilled the fuck out. Yep. Totally. Yeah, that's very similar to the best advice I've given is that, you know, nothing matters. Like, none of this matters. We've built, mm-hmm. like, this fake life all around us. You just have to live your life and just be, you find your confidence. And, you know, because nobody really cares. Nobody cares what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's so true. We say that all the about. time on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Everyone's worried about their goddamn selves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't stop yourself from doing the things you're supposed to be doing. Like, don't be your own enemy. Don't be your own obstacle. Just just push through. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. All of, also, all of everything I say on this podcast and even right now, it's very easily said. Yeah, yeah. I know it's... I know it's hard. <laughs> I know it's very hard just to be like, just thought. be confident. Right. But yeah, that's also what I wish I could tell myself is just be more confident because really no one cares and everybody loves you. Like everybody actually loves you. No one hates you. Mm, I feel like there's some haters. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, what's your advice, Gigi? So my advice comes from my mom. She like, she had this desktop computer in my, in my old house my old family house. And she had this desktop background of this Dr. Seuss quote on it. And I always used to think it was like the silliest thing. And I'd be like, it doesn't even fit the screen. It's a square. It looks ugly. <laughs> like at least like find a wallpaper that's tailor made for the nice computer you have. You know, I never really understood it, but it is so like the essence of her. And I feel like it's the essence of like just growing up and finding who you are. And the quote is be who you are and say what you feel. 
And even that beginning, Mm -hmm. be who you are and say what you feel. Don't bullshit, you know, don't say anything you don't feel just for somebody. And then it continues, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the sooner you figure out those that mind in your Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. don't matter. And I feel like you'd just be a much happier, carefree person without having to offend anyone around you from being Mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like eventually you weed out all those people, you know, you really do over time. It's just like the sooner you, you realize that I feel like it's like, Oh, and I always get the quote mixed up. So I had to Google it. But (laughs) whenever I read it, it like resonates the same with me. I just think about those in my life that 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 minded so much about what I did. I'm Mm -hmm. like, good riddance, bitch. Yeah, Yeah. don't care about them. And you know, I think one of the the gateways to getting there is that so often, and especially in a world of social media where we're looking at like other people's Instagrams and we're thinking about other people and we 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 somehow got into this world and before social media it existed like you know the bitching about someone or thinking like oh that person's like this or that person's like that and sometimes we can be really critical of ourselves and we can be really critical of other people and it's hard to feel like we're not being judged by other people sometimes and i think the key to getting out of that feeling judged by other people is actually setting the deliberate intention of not judging others. And when you stop judging others, you stop feeling judged by others. And there's this like weird thing that we do as humans where we project what we do back at ourselves. Oh my God, blindly projecting. I find myself doing it and I fucking hate it and I have to, it's a conscious effort. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what yeah. did I just say? You know, it's a, it's a it's a constant effort. That is so true, Courtney. Yeah. Can I add one more piece of advice? Yeah. For queer people out there, and I think every queer person needs to hear this, is to take up space. Like, mm. walk into that fucking room and know that you're fierce. Like, there were so many times in my life where I would not go to the job interview because I would be like, oh, am I too gay for this position? Uh Am I too gay for this company? Self-doubt. Is my hair too long? Like, it was never even about my qualifications. You know what I mean? Like, should I cut my hair? Should I, I don't know, not wear makeup? Just walk into every single room like you're the fiercest bitch that you are because you literally are. And that's another piece of advice. Go for it. I feel like, like you said, the job interview thing, the most unassuming situations can make the biggest impact in your life. Mm -hmm. So just go for it. Every day is a blessing. Take advantage of every single one, honestly. And because if you're being authentic, that is literally the way to connect with other humans. If you're going for a job interview and you're dialing yourself down because you think that's what that person wants, not only you're going to get the job based on someone you're not, which reinforces something negative about yourself. But also that person is going to be like, "Mm, this person's not being themselves. They're hiding something. I don't connect with that. So definitely lead with you and you win every time. Love that. Love Love that. that. Okay. Our third and last question, Courtney, thank you for answering these queries with us. Wattam queerified. Wattam and Shelly from Portmore, Jamaica. I just want to say I'm a big, big fan. Me, me and Gigi, big up on ourselves. Um, I have one question. What would you, what kind of advice would you give to a girl with, uh, who did multiple men? You see, in Jamaica, I'm what we call a good as girl. So I get what me want, who me want, 
And, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming when enough men try chat to you. So what advice could you give me as a good as girl for dating multiple men? Thank you so much, my love. Oh, no, big up on herself. Big up on herself. Um, <laughs> Shelly Ann? love this question. From Jamaica? I feel like Jamaica, first of all, ugh. Can't wait to go. Um, Jamaica is extremely um, transphobic. I know. I just want to go. Okay. We'll, just, we'll bring bodyguards. I'll just fly, try to fly private or something. <laughs> fly under the radar. <laughs> I just want to experience it. Um, I Okay. So, obviously, you're, like, obsessed with dating multiple men. So, I would just say, be smart about it. Like, I love a girl that's, like, a boss bitch that gets what she wants. Mm-hmm. So, if, if you're about this life, just make sure that the guys don't know, I guess. Because they oh. can get butthurt and then you, you could lose a bunch of them, right? Like, if Brian knows about Adam... Brian's going to get pissed, maybe, probably, uh-huh. and then you're going to lose Brian. So if you're trying to date multiple men, then be smart about it. Oh, my God. But if that's what she's about, okay. I can't relate. But I like, have... you know, I was going to give the opposite advice. Well, <laughs> <Okay>. actually, <laughs> my question, I suppose I don't have enough like cultural awareness of Jamaica and what may or may not be acceptable, because I almost felt like in um, in what she was saying was that perhaps there's a negative connotation in the world that she lives in with a woman who is dating multiple guys. Yes, definitely. definitely. That's how I perceived it as well. Yeah. And so I don't know whether it's even like dating them at one time or even just that like she's dated lots of guys. Um, But Mm, I think that if, and again, I don't know the cultural context, but like if you can find men that are comfortable with you dating other guys at the same time, then that would be a good solution like because like being polyamorous like being able to love more than one person at once or even not love just being able to have more than sex with more than one person at once is a real thing and if that's how she feels then finding guys who are open to that although i feel like guys would struggle a lot of men would struggle with the idea of the girl that they are in a relationship with having sex with other guys. It would be very Definitely. challenging to find, but it's possible right. to find. Yeah. It seemed like she was being sneaky to me. That's what I perceived. She's like, so what would you say yeah. about me trying to, di- trying to, did you say date or have sex with, be with? I don't know. But my, the only advice I have is to stay away from the guys who will go crazy because of that. Right. Like stay away from those guys who may get violent, who may, you know, she's the stakes are really angry. high over yeah, there exactly. in Jamaica for, or for even her. anywhere, like any man. Uh-huh. Think about it. It's very true. It's very true. So That's kind of like a global thing. Well, okay. good luck, girl. Hopefully that yeah. helped. Um, love your vulnerability. Thanks for coming to us with that. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Courtney, thank you so much for coming on Queerified. We're at the end of our time. I know that you have a new talk show called One Plus One or One on One. One Plus One, yeah. I'm so excited about that. The ABC in Australia has... This TV show has been on television for a long time, but it was like in a totally different time slot. And they've bumped it to Monday nights, 8 o'clock, which is like prime time on the network. And I'm the host, host of the new series. And it's just these sit down half an hour long interviews and it's not like there's no bells or whistles it's not like there's no b-roll or overlay it's like just sitting one plus one 
interviewed some really amazing Australians um, about, you know, their lives and hearing their stories. And uh, it comes out later in June. In, it'll it'll only be in Australia, but I'm sure that mm-hmm. some, I'm sure it'll be on YouTube though, I'm right? Sure it'll be on YouTube or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to watch. How many how many episodes typically are in a season? Um, we only did five, and then I have gone. I have left Australia now, but hopefully they'll be. We'll be doing a season two as well yes yes we need tons of those i love that shit very like oprah but without the cutaways and b-roll like you said yeah yeah it's just like a real conversation like there's a tv show called australian story that did uh an episode on me which is on youtube and it's this wonderful half hour program in australia where they sort of like profile someone but there's like they filmed me like they followed around and filmed stuff and like this stuff from childhood and stuff from here and there and which and it's just like a wonderful show but then this other show one plus one it's literally just like two people five cameras set up love that love it love it love it love it just one time through get all the takes get all the tears all the laughs yeah Yeah. oh can't wait to watch well congrats on that that's amazing can't wait to see that thanks for coming on queerify we love you so much here on the show guys i appreciate it do you have any other things you want to promote and where can people find you well um you can i have i have a podcast of my own called brenda call me uh which is with my bff vanity um and we just the, the first season is is wrapping up now that um and it's just gone from strength to strength it's very australian we uh we're two australian girls that have been friends for over 20 years and we talk about we dive into like everything sex drugs rock and roll you name it and um, sounds familiar yeah, huh. really yeah. Does. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're fans of the show we really yeah. are uh-huh. say hi to vanity please i will i need do. a hat from her you one of these pretty days. party hats yes <laughs> we'll get you one <laughs> and oh, where's well, what's your socials oh it's just all at courtney act on instagram on twitter and and facebook if people are still Still over there. <laughs> Still <laughs> clinging on to Facebook. Yes. All right. Well, we will see you soon. And thank you so much again for coming on the love show. We you love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Courtney. Mwah. Bye. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to our special guest, Courtney Act. And thank you for listening. You can follow Gigi on Instagram at Gigi Gorgeous and me at Mark Maverick. And as always, Queerified is a presentation of Ramble, a Cadence 13 studio. Please listen, rate, and review and follow all episodes. It helps us out so much. Say nice things. Go rate. And it is available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. You've just been Queerified. See you next time. Bye. Mwah.